0: Episode 171 Above Ground Podcast The Way Out is Through with Valerie Brasso. Disclaimer The host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective. it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what is up everyone? Welcome to episode 171 Above Ground Podcast. Uh, with uh, our very first repeat guest, uh, Mrs., well, I have to get her married name right, and I apologize, Val, I should have looked it up, but uh, Valerie Brasso is back on uh, to talk about her wonderful new book of poetry and all the wonderful work she's doing up in Canada. Um, Amazing woman, uh, kicks ass, and uh, she'll be coming up again, and that's our first repeat guest. And now that summer is winding down, we're getting into walk season. And that's why I wanted to talk about next Sunday, September 25th. That's coming right up in a few days. Uh, and it's going to be the Capital Region Walk for Rita 2022. And we are going to be at Spa State Park, Saratoga Spa State Park, off uh, off of Route 9. And uh, you can go to their Facebook page at Capital Region Walk for Rita Facebook page and register for the walk there above ground podcast will be there and uh tim and i will both uh be doing different things i'll be running around for afsp and tim will be at our booth next to next to Meg and healing springs so can't wait to see her um and uh big shout out to healing springs they're doing all kinds of stuff man um i hope everybody is doing well out there we have our very first repeat guest this week so I'm not gonna talk anymore. It is time for the kick-ass Valerie Brasso. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast because you can't serve below. Oh, you know who that is? It's the sweet, so stylings of Mister T P P. What's up, brother? Good morning, What's up? Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a yeah, smile. See. see, he can smile, people, and it does show through when he talks. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's about as elusive as the the great Bigfoot, but it, it ah
0: yeah, <laughs> we squatching for a smile, man. That's right. That's right. Um, got a lot, got a lot to smile about this morning, right? Absolutely, brother. So, dude, why don't you tell us what we're doing this morning? This is wow. a first for us. It's a first for us. Yeah, it is a first, a first for us, and,
1: and it's a first for us.
0: That- <laughs> <laughs> We have, we have the uh, first repeat
1: guest on today, uh, Valerie Brousseau, uh, I believe it was uh, number 86. 86, in the blood. In the blood. It isn't uh, in my
2: blood.
1: So welcome back, Valerie.
2: Thank you so much. I'm super stoked to be here, hang out with you guys again, talk about all kinds of super important stuff and get silly a little bit too, of course. But,
0: oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely, man. If you come on the show, you better be ready to get silly. Because unfortunately, as we know, mental health is serious. But but we all have to laugh man and and you know what right. I, with all the shit and trials and tribulations that we've all been through if you can't laugh then i then you're really you're really a lot <laughs> further we're a lot further behind yeah. the, in the pitfalls than we think valerie it's it's awesome to see you again i know since i mean 86 gosh we're up to you know we're in the 140s 150 so we're looking like 60 episodes ago which is crazy for us too and I, I, we want to hear what's been going on since. I, You've been a very busy lady. So if anybody doesn't know, Valerie is, uh, she's a mental health advocate, a trainer, a writer, a speaker. She's also a kick-ass martial artist and she's not just a survivor like she is a thriver she like totally kicks ass and I we just want to know what you've been up to
2: there's there's so much to talk about I don't even know where to start I'm just happy to be back and um, actually what I'm going to start with is a bit of an anecdote saying that if you can't laugh about it you're you know you're not where you should be I was at the pharmacy the other day and I working for myself, having my own business. I don't have benefits, and so I pay for my medication out of pocket. And I go to the pharmacy and I pick up my psych meds. And it was just happened to be that at that time I was renewing all of them at the same time, which is quite costly. And I look at the pharmacist, and she brings it up, and I say, "Oh well, it's uh, you know it's expensive to be crazy." And she looks at me and kind of goes, mm, "How would you like to pay for that?" <laughs>
0: It is quite alarming the reactions to get from people when people are forthright about their own issues. And it's just like how uncomfortable people get. But as we know, these are uncomfortable conversations.
2: Of course. And And I think the more we can use a little bit of humor and infuse a bit of levity in a respectful way, we can make that topic more accessible. But she just did not really know how to respond. And I was thinking you work in the medical field, you should be a little more comfortable with this topic. <laughs> a-
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I agree fully with the uh, added add in like the the humor part of the thing. Cause I, I think it makes it easier. It breaks down a little bit of that wall for people and um, yeah, they may not know how to respond, but maybe if it happens again, you know, a second, third time or whatever, they may be like, Oh, okay. Or at least get a smile
2: out of it and,
1: yeah. you know, be a little bit more at ease
2: exactly it's it's just my way of saying you know i recognize that i have challenges and it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom and if i'm willing to be open about it and and be a little tongue-in-cheek about it it's okay for you to discuss it as well you know
1: yeah i think that's i think it's brilliant
2: so yeah that was an interesting moment but there uh there definitely has been a lot going on i am not sure where you gentlemen want me to start
1: anything anywhere anywhere just uh wherever you yeah, we're gonna like try to
0: cover we're gonna try to cover it all because i'm i and actually i'm hoping i'm hoping maybe if you can or will you'll share one of your poems with everyone too at the you know towards the end because i'm really interested to hear about about how the poetry is doing and
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and i know i think you're working on a second book right of poetry yeah.
2: so there's yeah there's a lot going on right now so in um May of last year, I published my book of poetry, which I have right here with me. It is published on Amazon. It's super easy to find there. So it was self-published and it was a work of 10 years. It took me 10 years to put that book together. There's actually one poem in it that was in five parts that was written over the course of 10 years. It just goes to show that sometimes you can't force these things. It's about when when it's ready and when you feel like you've put into it what you need to put into it and it represents you the way that the universe kind of wanted and there's a few pieces that were added closer to the date of publication because I joined a writing circle with um that's hosted by a poet that I very much respect and I got a few pieces out of those prompts and and those evenings of poetry but the book was was such a journey and I think that the writing of it really reflects what the content is because it does reflect very much on my mental health journey. And so if I had to qualify the book, it definitely is a book of mental health poetry. Um, It's not, it's in three parts. And so it's not all doom and gloom, but um, it does start with some heavier, more difficult things that I went through. And I tried to organize it so that each section would progressively sort of move towards that message of hope. And that's what I'm hoping people will, will gain from it when they read it. And that's what will um, will sort of be the the strong message that comes out once you read all of the pieces from from start to finish. And it was it was such a process. It was so much fun. The cover art is done by a friend of mine who lives in Rio in Brazil. He's an amazing artist. He read all of the poems and then started drawing these beautiful pieces of just sort of what came to him from what he read. And when he gave me this one as a draft, I said, "That's it. That's the cover." And then I wrote the final poem of the book based on his artwork. And so
0: that is so awesome. Me. Now that is art. That's true art and true healing. Like it's amazing the journey that art can take us to take us on. And wow, that's so cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's uh he's so wonderful and he really just put everything of himself from what he was feeling, reading my pieces, into drawing the pieces that he offered me. And then when I when I saw this image that he sent me, the first word that came to my mind was through, which is the title of the book, because you can't find, there's no way around it. You can't trick your way or find a shortcut through the trials of life. You, the only way out is through. And so that is really what the book is about. And it's funny because the, um, the one year anniversary of my Zoom book launch Will, will fall on my wedding this year. So I was going to have a one-year anniversary, like, book party. Sorry, guys, I'm getting married. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> congratu-
0: congratulations. Thank congratulations. You. That's awesome.
2: Thank you. That's That's been postponed many times due to COVID. But it's also, you know, I, I appreciate very much the sentiment of marriage is a big thing and it should be celebrated however we need to especially as women build a message that marriage and kids is not the only path and whatever path women choose needs to be honored and supported and celebrated. And we should have as much of a party for the woman who got promoted as the woman who got engaged. And I completely, that's, that's sort of my view on it. However, for me personally, a wedding and a marriage is such a huge milestone because as if anybody's listened to the, the previous episode I was on, I have borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder and with BPD, many doctors consider that a death sentence for relationships. They say that people with BPD cannot hold healthy relationships, that the symptoms are too interpersonal and too severe and that it's just not gonna happen. And here I am with an amazing, wonderful, supportive man and and we're gonna throw a little party and, and legally sign some papers. So, you know, it just is something that I very much appreciate well that you say, you know, thriving and that I'm really doing well, because that's what I'm aiming for is not just to get by and manage the symptoms. It's to build a life that I really am excited about. That's something that I've been able to foster and work on. And it's a hell of a lot of work and it's sometimes steps forwards and backwards. But the fact that I'm now getting to This wedding, it just it means a lot more to me than just, you know, oh, ever since I was a little girl, I thought about my wedding dress. And that's a really wonderful sentiment. And I know that, you know, that is part of it. But for me, it's that piece of doctors said this would never happen. Doctors said that the disorder I have is such that I am going to be struggling with relationships for the rest of my life. And it's almost an impossibility. And so that's that's kind of what that wedding represents for me.
0: That is awesome! Congratulations! I'm so happy for you both. I see your pictures on Instagram. You guys look like you're having fun. You were yeah. here in this. You were here in the states recently on a trip, weren't you?
2: Yeah, we were visiting my mom in Florida, so we uh, had a chance to you know lounge by the pool, smoke some cigars, go to the beach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thriving is what we aim for, and our listeners out there, a lot of our listeners out there, might not be thriving. How do you start to find the energy? to rebuild after a setback?
2: I think there's a a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts to to the answer to that question. And after a setback, I think one thing that's really important is self-compassion and remembering that that setback is not a failure. It's just a stumble and it's about how you pick yourself back up. And if you need somebody to help you back up, if you need five people to help you back up, there is no shame in any of that. You just have to, Try to find, and it's not about silver lining it, feel your emotions, feel the tough stuff, process it, but also find space for honoring the fact that you have strength and resilience and you're still going. And if you're in general in your journey of recovery in that place of getting by and you're not quite living the life you want yet, I think something that can really help is something that I try to do every day, which is infuse little moments of things that are meaningful to me or that make me feel valued or that bring joy into my day so I have a checklist that I use in the morning and my morning routine I try to put on a playlist of music that really gets me going and it doesn't have to be you know super happy music to ignore the fact that I'm sad if I'm sad I might listen to something a little bit different but just music that inspires me Or I have a a YouTube playlist of a lot of um, spoken word poems from poets that I really love. And I'll put that on the big screen TV and that just fires me up and, and gets me going. So just little moments of joy. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I love my whole entire life all the time because nobody's like that. But finding those moments where you can infuse a bit of joy, a bit of meaning, a little bit of feeling good about yourself. If you don't have the energy to do something. It's about little baby steps to start building that momentum. And if you look at step-by-step step, as opposed to the whole big picture, oh, when am I gonna be married with a house and kids and vacations and two cars? And you're gonna get super overwhelmed if you look at, at that big picture. So looking at the steps that are gonna get you there and taking them one at a time can really help as well.
0: Uh, very valuable advice from someone who's who's who not only, Talks to talk, but she certainly walks the walk and rolls the roll too, man. Cause she's a, now you, you're a black belt, right?
2: I'm a black belt in karate. I have a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu.
0: Okay. Yeah. she she really rolls. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Those are,
1: those are actually very crucial things that you had, had listed. Those, I, I feel like those are very spot on, um, how you said it and everything. It's just, it, I, I think it's, I think it's super important, you know, to find those little bits. And it's not about saying, oh, well, uh, I had this happen to my dad, this. But if you found one little thing that brought you joy in a day, that's a win. That's a win. Do you Did you find that with your diagnosis or diagnoses, um, did you find that you struggled with writing this book of poetry at all? Was there times where you kind of just put it down and wanted to give up?
2: There were times when... I questioned myself and found a little bit of doubt in terms of, is this just crazy, mentally ill person leaving it all out on paper? And who's going to want to read this? And, you know, am I, am I delving too deep into things that people want to sweep under the rug and ignore? And, and is that, you know, who's, who's going to really connect with this book? But as the, as those 10 years sort of went on, there are pieces in here that I've performed at open mics or that I've Uh, posted here and there or you know in, in other magazines and stuff and the reception that I got for those poems just really showed me that I had to keep going and finish this book because people were really connecting with it and really finding solace in the fact that they weren't alone and somebody had managed to put their experiences into words. So despite that doubt I kept pushing and when the poems came to me it's it's interesting because I I read Stephen King's memoir and I find him very interesting. A uh,
0: great book. Sorry, I am so I but not too many people like his memoir on it's called on writing. Yeah. And I I was so inspired after listening to that. And it's such a long in-depth book and it's not really necessarily all about the process of writing even though he covers that towards the end. His yeah. just his story is incredible and in what he's yeah. It's and it's it's so awesome. So I, I apologize.
2: No, I totally hear you. I loved the book. I loved the memoir part of it. And and the writing process part of it was very interesting as well for me because he is a lot more militant about it. It's you know, I'm gonna lock myself in this room for four hours. I need this many words, no radio, no phone, no nothing. Whereas I find that maybe if I were writing fiction or nonfiction, that would work for me, but with poetry it had to come when it wanted to come. And so I would experience things and then it would come out on paper and it just ended up being something that I realized people wanted even though they didn't know it yet, you know? I uh, I just knew that the pieces I had shared already that people were connecting with them. So I had to get this done. And I really wanted the artwork to, to reflect and be, exactly what I had in mind. And my friend Tiago in Brazil, who is amazing, just like I said, he read it cover to cover and came up with this beautiful artwork. And that led me to write the last piece of the book. And um, it just, what I'm really hoping is that it takes people on a journey from those darkest places to not a sunshiny rainbows and puppies place, but just hope, you know, just knowing that there's always a way forward and it's always worth it
0: the only way out is through and and you are certainly you are certainly evidence of what hope and and energy and and putting your putting yourself out there and that's what i so so admire about you just the forthrightness of everything and just how you are out there and you put yourself into everything and i'm so so excited for you and so happy for you that this has been going on you're such an amazing force that you need to you you need to be heard and i so i can't thank you enough for coming back on because like we we love you it's awesome we love your work um you need to go to our website com. um she does uh she does trainings and she does groups and stuff you do one-on-ones yeah and <clears throat> how is that going how is your one-on-one trainings and trainings and speaking mm-hmm. stuff coming since covid it's it's been, I'm sure it's been quite the journey. And how did that, how did COVID and coming out of that play into your, into your recovery? And
2: Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's been interesting in terms of the business, definitely a lot with COVID, a lot more corporations and companies were reaching out to me for sessions, for their staff, for presentations, for trainings. And so with that, I was doing a lot of your sort of mental health at work and isolation and connection within a a COVID workplace and things like that. And um, that was really great to connect with employees who maybe very rarely have the chance to have a forum where they can talk about mental health. So that was super cool. With my one-on-one clients, it's always been via Zoom. So COVID didn't really alter that very much, but there's definitely more people with everything that was going on who started seeking out the support. So I have a a a pretty good roster of one-on-one clients that I work with right now on that um, sort of, I call it sort of elevated peer support because it comes from the lived experience, but there is so much education and background behind it as well. And that's been really great to connect with people one-on-one and help them build those tangible tools and skills that they need to manage what they're going through, especially with COVID and the added stressors and all of that. And um, it's great when one of my clients, I usually work in eight week blocks. And when one of my clients wants to renew for another eight weeks, it's I'm like, yay, I'm not losing a friend. <laughs> and we get to keep working together, which is great. It's-
0: Connection seems to be a very, very huge part of this. And someone who's isolated, what is like one of the first, what is an icebreaker for you to get them to come out to you on in like your one on ones, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Because I know a lot of us have problems starting the conversation and keeping the conversation going. So, what would be an icebreaker or something? that you could say to people who are really, do are really starved for connection, but can't seem to get themselves out of their comfort zone.
2: Right, the, uh, I find that the thing with that is that we don't think we have the energy and the capacity for social connection, but unless we start building some social connection, we're not gonna build the capacity and energy for it. It's like a weird cycle. So when I speak to people who are hesitant, Um, I mean, sometimes it really just starts with a text or an email to try to even get them on an intro call because I do sort of an exploration call for free with all my clients because I, they need to choose me, I need to choose them, it needs to be a relationship where we feel comfortable with each other, we feel that it's going to work and um, I also make sure that A, they're not dealing with things that I should refer them out to a psychologist, um, like deep seated trauma, things that I'm not equipped to deal with. And I need to make sure that they're ready to put in the commitment as well. And if they're not, there's no shame in that. It's just not where they're at in that moment. And maybe we can work together in the future. So I get them on an intro call. And I think my approach to answer your question more directly is that I really make it clear that there is no judgment. There is no expectation other than the ones they put on themselves. It's not about making somebody a cookie cutter, socially acceptable, there you go, you're fixed of your mental illness. It's what are your goals? What do you want? Where do you want to go? What drives you? What are the things that make you feel like your life is worthwhile? And let's work on those and really making it clear that there's, there's no judgment, there's no pressure. And, you know, sometimes we just sit in silence, or somebody will, you know, I've had a client just kind of sit there and cry, and I just hold space. And, it's okay, let it out. Uh, we can talk once, once you can take a breath and it's all good. You know, We're, I've been in the same place. So knowing that there isn't that pressure to be what we so often deem socially acceptable and, and you know, not awkward and just, it, it's all about being raw and real. And I think that opens the door a little bit for people to be more comfortable with being vulnerable.
0: Yeah, being comfortable with vulnerability and and being open is definitely very uncomfortable for people and especially when it comes to expressing ourselves because I think a lot of it is the lack of language that we don't, a lot of us don't possess that aren't, are just coming to the realization that something isn't right. And I'm not saying that it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's just that something isn't off. Because it, it is it is what it is, and there's nothing you, you can you have to you have to face it head on, and it's scary. How do you get people over that fear? How do you like what is like what is a tip to get you over that fear? Because as someone like you who rolls BJJ and and has the the background that you have, how do you how do you get over the intimidation of fear?
2: It's tough. It depends on the situation, depends on the sort of environment that I'm in, the people that are around. But I think, again, that piece of little baby steps and building momentum is really important and not taking it on all at once. And if it comes to something like mental health and, and facing what you're dealing with mentally, Maybe the fear is too great if we tell you that you're going to be thrown into a two-hour mental health assessment followed by a one-hour psychologist appointment tomorrow, but we can break that down into steps and say, okay, well, all you have to do for this entire week is go on psychologytoday.com and make a list of six psychologists that maybe you want to shoot an email to that might seem like a good fit. Don't even email them. Just make that list. That's all you got to do this week. And breaking it down in steps and, and taking it moment by moment and making it a little bit less overwhelming and scary, I think is a, is a big part of getting over that fear. At the same time, sometimes I talk to my clients and they're like, okay, so to get, <clears throat> excuse me, to get this done, what's, what's the tip? What's the trick? What do I do? And I look at them and I say, I'm so sorry to say this to you, but the trick is just do it. That's all it is. Sometimes that's literally what it is. <laughs>
1: the trick, is, the trick is there is no trick. That's the yeah. thing, right. There's a uh, there's a meme floating around out there, and I don't know who said it, but it was uh, said something like the the bad news is um, the door is locked, and the good news is there is no key. <laughs> you know, so it's it's that same kind of just just go for it and open the door. And Absolutely. I I agree with that. It's as tough as it may be, and as far away as it may seem. To people, it's, that's, you're absolutely right. I truly, I'm a firm believer that the biggest barrier is our own thoughts.
2: Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and I can, uh, I can share something else that's going on that actually directly relates to this. So I have been accepted into a master's of social work.
1: Woo! Awesome.
2: So I'm super excited to go. Congratulations! On- Thank you. I'm so excited to go on this new endeavor, this new challenge to build my skills, better serve my clients and just really up my knowledge. But receiving that acceptance, I mean, it was the third time I applied and I was terrified to apply for a third time because I was like, can I take that rejection again? You know, I I have a Bachelor of Arts and so getting into an MSW without a BSW can be difficult. Um, But I do have a lot, like thousands of hours of experience and a lot of training and I think what they wanted to see was that I wasn't giving up and I was continuing to take new trainings and improve my skills and work towards what I wanted. So that third application, I remember I was walking through a park and I heard a ding in my pocket and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if that was the answer from my program? And I look at the email and it it was. And so I open the email and it says, we have made a decision about your application, check your account. Now, the last two times, all it had said was, we regret to inform you. And I was like, ah, the F out of here, you regret, like, whatever. (laughs) But this time, it said, check your account. So my mind starts spinning. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I got in, but don't get too excited, but be excited, but don't get too excited. What? Oh, my gosh. And my computer was blocks away because I had gone on a walk. So I'm power walking all the way back. I get to my laptop where my login is Pre saved and I can actually get in. I checked the account the second I read the word admitted. I just stopped reading and I was holding my laptop in one hand and I just threw my hands up and started shouting and celebrating and it was uh, it was quite the moment.
0: <laughs> how do you how do you start to to make those small steps to get to such a big goal? Mm-hmm. Is it how do you break down that first step? Like what would be your first step for someone who's just starting out on this?
2: It's. Uh, It's difficult to, yeah, that first step is is always is always kind of the most difficult one because you got to figure out exactly where you're gonna plant your foot and then all the other steps will follow. But I find that I'm a very visual person. I find that writing things down and really breaking it down into lists and pros and cons and that type of thing really helps. Or if you're somebody who can do that out loud with a friend and have somebody to bounce off of, those are really helpful ways to start. But the, the first step can be as small as you are comfortable with, as small as you can handle. If the first step is applied to this job, because your goal is to become a mental health professional and work in this field, if that's comfortable for you, then that's fine. If the first step is just find the email that you have to send the application to and, and leave it at that for the day, then that's the step you're comfortable with. You know, if it's uh, review your cover letter or your resume, whatever that step you're comfortable with, if if the first step is just oh call um you know your friend Tyler or whatever who works in this field and ask him for a couple tips maybe that's the first step. So it's whatever you're comfortable with but it is true that the smaller the better because it'll just build that momentum and it'll start snowballing. Yeah, it's about your comfort level and what you think will help you build that momentum and push you forward because if you think okay so for example if I wanted to um look at my journey and think okay, well, I want my own practice. So I need, you know, as a, as a MSW, as a master's of social work, I can do counseling and have my own practice. Okay. So step one, apply for an MSW. That was not the first step for me. There were so many steps prior to that. And a lot of them were internal as well. Just kind of fighting that, that mindset of, you know, I'm not going to get in. I don't deserve it. I don't have a bachelor of social work. I'm just all I have is this lived experience and really just finding a way to give credit to the training and the experience and everything that I have and and find that self-confidence. So it's, it really depends where you're headed, but the smaller, the better, I would say.
0: And it truly is about building momentum because that is the law of attraction. The law of attraction is, is that you put it out and it will come back. But again, you have to realize what you put out comes back. So if you put out Garbage, garbage nope. comes back. If you put out something good, something good comes back. <laughs>
2: for sure. Go ahead, Timmy.
0: I just have a question. Uh, I'm curious.
1: Do you find that with your clients or just people in general? Since you're kind of out there in the midst of everything, is it is it tough for people to choose like someone that's not technically a, a you know a medical professional, more of a peer specialist? Do you do you do you get some um, resistance? on that?
2: That's a good point to bring up. And I do love to address that because I have a lot of internalized judgment for myself of whether I'm qualified to do this and, you know, whether I should be doing this. But what I find is that Once people meet me and have that intro call, they realize that I, I know my shit, you know, I'm very upfront with them. This won't be covered by your insurance because I'm not licensed. And my waiver that they sign explains very clearly that it's more of a coach peer support relationship rather than, you know, and I do very much make sure to refer people out to psychologists and psychotherapists should they have issues that I'm not equipped to handle. But most of my one-on-one clients are people who either have BPD as well, or are supporting someone with BPD. And what they want is the lived experience of what has worked for you. What have you learned? If it's a family member of someone with BPD, help me get in their head and really understand why it is that they have these behaviors so I can better support them with less judgment and more compassion. It's about, you know, the right fit. If somebody comes to me and says, I've been diagnosed with PTSD and I have deep seated trauma, I wish you all the best. I will support you as I can. S- send me messages. We can chat, but I'll refer you to someone who's better equipped to deal with that. So I'm, I'm very upfront about that. And with corporations and organizations and schools, I find that I I do believe my business will grow more once I do have that accreditation, but I find that if they meet me and and see the passion and the, um, the aptitude I have for connecting with a crowd, that's more what, what speaks to them. And the fact that I can start an open conversation and get that discussion going, And uh, because we're sort of, especially with, with companies, we stay a little bit more surface level in terms of mental health. So they don't need somebody who's done, you know, a four year degree in psychiatry, they just need someone who can facilitate that conversation, who understands how to break down stigma and who can share some personal, uh, pieces that help people connect, understand better and feel less alone.
0: I can speak from my own personal experience about imposter syndrome because I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've struggled with that myself, especially applying for that new position that I'm like, okay, am I qualified enough to do this? Even though I have like certification or whatever, have I learned enough? And sometimes that comes at a very big cost because you, you, you hold yourself in smaller spaces because you're afraid to reach out how how does someone who is is struggling with that imposter syndrome start to break down why they think that
2: That is something that I still struggle with a lot it's one of my one of my more difficult sort of mindset changes that I'm trying to make and I have I have a friend who's a, a business coach and more of a mindset coach I guess and and she, is constantly telling me that my, my systems and my, you know, the way that I run things and the way that my business is structured, that's not where I'm finding that I'm at an impasse. It's really just with my mindset. And, and she's right. I mean, I can't pitch a company, a certain price for a one hour presentation if I don't believe in that price, if I don't believe that I'm worth it and that I deserve it. So it, it is very difficult. I struggle with it a lot. I try. So internal validation and finding it from yourself and believing it yourself from the inside out is obviously ideal. But if you're not there yet, I find that using external validation, there's nothing wrong with that. And I like to keep emails and testimonials and, and feedback from clients that I've had and reread those when I need a bit of a boost that, that tells me, okay, people appreciate your work and they know that what you do is valuable and, and just kind of give myself a reminder in the hopes that one day I can sort of generate that from, for myself, from myself, you know?
0: I love how you have come up with your own hype tracks, and I and actually I got an idea because because you speak so great that you ought to record yourself reading the testimonial so you can play not it whenever it you, whenever you want. <laughs>
2: That's not a bad idea at all. Stockholm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> syndrome is, is killer, and it, it's really hard to to let go of. And it's something again. It's step by step, and baby step by baby step. And uh, and I I read something recently that I um, that I really liked, and it said that we we use the word baby steps to mean sort of tentative, you know, little steps where we're testing it out and seeing how far we can get. But how do babies walk? Baby steps are actually just full of unbridled confidence and they fall and get back up and keep going. And so I much prefer that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They don't know that they don't know the word failure. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: I think it's like, they got you, you have a little bit of that in your brain. Like, I don't think uh, give up is in your vocabulary, you know, it's, and I
2: think that's part of it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, crossed my mind many times but I just got to swat it away and and just keep moving and and know that know that it's going to be worth it. It's never easy but it's always worth it. I
1: I have a question actually kind of uh more on a personal level for yeah. me is talking about the like the internal and external validation. So what in a case where say if if you have some of the internal validation and you're like I like this, I I believe in it but then you you try to put it out there and you don't get any kind of positive mm. external validation. Like then do you, cause I know for me, I, then I, I unfortunately start questioning it. Right. You know, That's when the doubt comes in. Do you, have you ever experienced that or do you know any tips on, on how to deal with that?
2: I feel like many times if you don't get the reception you were looking for and you're really feeling passionate or good about something, you put it out there and the response is not what you were hoping for. I think you just haven't found the people that it was meant for yet. I think that's that's a little part of it. I can relate this to to poetry. I mean, I've shared poems in that writing circle where. I get really great feedback on how to improve it, but I I felt so strongly about it and the response I got was a little womp womp. What I think in those moments is, okay, well, I'm really grateful for the feedback on how to make this piece better. So clearly somebody connected to something in there. It's just, I haven't quite found the right formula for expressing it in a way that's gonna be really compelling and and that people are gonna be really passionate about. So it's not that the content or the idea should be scrapped. It's that, especially when it comes to any kind of artistic endeavor or writing or anything like that, we maybe just haven't found the right format of presenting that information and that emotion. The more you share, the more you can get feedback. I don't know if it's, if it's a message that you're trying to share and you you find that people aren't getting as hyped about this as you are, maybe you just haven't found the way to phrase it that connects to what is, you know, connecting for them and what's important for them. So I don't, think there's ever or there's very rarely a time where you should scrap the idea it's just about tweaking it and finding that connection piece i think
0: cool thank you yeah that makes sense very cool thanks no worries speaking of artistic creativity and and being an artist you truly are an artist you're a poet you're a martial artist how do you keep the artist in you satisfied how do you fill your artistic cup What are some of the things that you take part in?
2: I, first of all, I am really trying to work hard on getting out of that mindset of the tortured artist. And, oh, I'll only write a good poem when I'm in my depressive part of my cycle. And, you know, I remember one time somebody asked me, write a happy poem. And I thought, "Mm, no. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's interesting being somebody with, mental illnesses and being an artist because we look at history and so many amazing acclaimed artists turned out to have mental health concerns and I think that they do kind of go hand in hand because we've and we experience emotions in a different way what I try to do is now is you know, listen and read to a lot of, uh, listen to a lot of poetry, read a lot of poetry, really immerse myself in the artists that I get inspired by and try to have this lens of the world where everything right now, especially it's poetry. I mean, I'm a, I'm a painter and I draw as well, but right now I'm mostly focusing on poetry and I try to be in this lens where everything I look at could be a poem. I try to look at it in its most undiluted, sort of focused like looking at a seashell that I picked up off the beach in Florida last week and I looked at it and I went huh the colors on it look like a sunset there's a tiny sunset in the seashell what if there was a whole world in this seashell what if this is the window to another world where the sun is setting right now and you know it sounds very childish but just having that open-mindedness that everything everything can be art and and that expressing is better than impressing
1: very nice i love that that's great man you know it's been said before that um true intelligence is creativity Mm -hmm. and i i i tend to believe that myself um you know it's it's something that thing you know great things are 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 built from creativity right
2: absolutely
1: you know one of the things you kind of mentioned it in uh you know with art your art any any art it's we, we all it's, it's kind of up for interpretation, right? Like we have our meaning of it. But as long as we don't become attached to that, like, yeah, that's what it means to us. But if if you take it, and if you like it, and it, and it means something different to you, then so be it, as long as it yeah. it works for you. You know, I think that that's an element to it that I see
2: absolutely I, I that's one thing that i enjoy with my poetry is that obviously i there's something i meant by it but people will take little pieces and have them mean, have them mean different things to them and right. i that when they can make it their own and and kind of find a way to attach to it and 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 connect with it so that's that's been really exciting for
1: yeah me. that I, I feel like you like you said if they can connect with it it makes it to me it makes it even more special like that's like a really like they really, when you, you know, you can hear it and go, yeah, I like it. But if you connect with it and and kind of bring your own in, that's, that's huge.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I'm, I'm actually working on, uh, so we, we had talked, I'm I'm working on another book at, at this time. Um, I'm slowly looking at themes and concepts for poetry book number two, but I'm about 60,000 words into a a nonfiction book right now, which will be a, guidebook for loved ones of people with bpd on how to better support them and it also includes personal essays from other people who live with bpd and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it that one i will make every effort to have picked up by a publisher i'd prefer not to self-publish that one because i just wanted to have the reach that it deserves i'm going to keep keep working at that i'm hoping to be finished the first draft within the next year probably and i'm, I'm really excited because i think that hearing it from somebody who has lived it will help families and loved ones better understand how to support somebody who has bpd without a lot of the stigma that you find in a lot of other self-help books for bpd and a lot of other guidebooks and some of them are just atrocious out there so i just wanted to replace them with something that i i know to be true and good and i was like the only way to do that is to do it myself
1: (laughs) it's awesome amen to that yeah what about your, would your future husband be willing to, I mean, I don't know if you would be willing to have him, but I feel like he may have like an important role to contribute to that, you know, being, yeah,
2: absolutely. I, uh, I need to, well, I, I, I would like him to read what I have so far and then we can discuss it. And then, okay. He definitely is full of tips and tricks for how to, you know, even from the most simple things like if I'm having a panic attack, he'll bring me ice packs or if it's really bad, he'll he'll put me in the shower, clothes and all, and put on the cold water and just little things that he knows to do to help me handle what happens to me. But. He definitely has become very well-versed in, in how to support me with all of it. So I, you're absolutely right. He definitely is a, an asset in, in putting that book together.
0: Ooh. We're talking a lot about art, and art obviously is very important to you. And as a writer and as as a speaker and as a, as a coach, you have to keep your cup full. I was wondering who some of you and and a teacher can be. A teacher doesn't have to necessarily be someone you know. It can be it can be the art the you know the author of a book you read the the artist of a song or a painting. Who are some of your Who are some of your inspirations and um, teachers?
2: I like to venture out as much as I can and, and read and and watch and and look at art from. A variety of different sources to really get those different perspectives but there are definitely a few people that are that are closer to my heart i um i have a tattoo on my back it's a large piece of script and it's from um it's from a graphic novel by neil gaiman and he is my favorite author he is truly wonderful he teaches me to he teaches me to look at the world from a different point of view and and see the see the wonder and understand the underlying connections that maybe you don't see at first glance. There's my favorite novel that he's written is called Neverwhere. And it's, I won't, I could talk about it forever. I won't get into it, but I definitely recommend it. It is full of imagination, but things that for something that is sort of a fantasy novel, it very much connects to life and to who we want to be as people and how we choose our paths. And so there's there's a lot that I that I learned from from reading his uh, his work, which I really love. And then there's a few poets that I that I really really adore. Um, I listen to a lot of poetry, a lot of uh, poetry videos by Rudy Francisco, who was incredible. I got to see him live once, and that was amazing. Um, he writes a lot of poetry that is real and raw and to the point, but there is always hope it's it's really amazing and then the writing circle that i was a part of was hosted by um neil hilborn who's another spoken word poet and he talks a lot about his mental health challenges in a very in your face kind of way which i really love and i could i could name a lot of different people but you know there's academics as well brene brown is amazing i love reading her stuff and watching her TED talks and I, i get a lot of um inspiration information and knowledge from that so there's there's a myriad people that I could list, but I think you're right that it you can't be in this sort of bubble of your own art, this echo chamber. You have to be inspired by others and look for other things. Even if it challenges you or feels a little bit uncomfortable, that's where you're going to grow from, right?
0: Absolutely, because growth comes from the uncomfortable, uh, the uncomfortable stuff. I am curious to know how you defeat self-doubt and artists and writer's block, I'll call it as an artist, we can get in our heads too much because that's where our art comes from and our souls. And we have to tap into that. How do you, when you're, when you're feeling the self-doubt, what is some things that you do to, to get that creative juice flowing again, if you find yourself blocked?
2: That's, that's a tough one because sometimes you really don't know what to do. And When that happens, that's when I find that I delve into other artists and their work and try to just forget that I even am an artist and just feel what they're feeling and see what they're expressing and and get really immersed in that. Um, Sometimes if it comes to writing, you just got to write. The first three drafts are going to be garbage, but you just keep writing and you'll end up with, I mean, I wrote a poem recently where one line was good. That's all that's all that was good of that poem. But I held on to that and I can build a new piece from that one line. And so whatever that garbage was, it had to come out to make way for, for the better stuff that came out afterwards. So sometimes it's about just doing it. I mean, I've done three drafts of a painting before, and I, I end up throwing out, you know, just copies of it that were not up to what my imagination had thought when I was planning this painting. So it's uh, it's a never-ending process and and like I said, that external validation does help quite a bit and if I have to rely on others, it's not about seeking reassurance and being lauded all the time, but just having somebody give you a little bit of perspective and tell you, you know, no, this is great and maybe you can, um adjust things a little bit here or maybe the shadowing here can be fixed a little bit but the piece as a whole is not bad just getting some feedback can help as well but sometimes you just have to start and let it out and with writing just just put it out on paper and if it's garbage it's garbage you might end up with that one line or that one combination of two words that you're like that's genius And then you build from that and the next piece will actually be really good.
0: How do you know when to say when? How do you know when a piece is done?
2: That is, oh man, publishing that book, I was like, oh, should I do this? Are these done? Should I edit more? What do I, mm, that's that's really tough. Especially when it's your own work, it's easy to read someone else's poem and say, oh, this needs maybe one last stanza to really wrap up the theme and then you're good. But when it's your own work, you just want to keep tweaking it. And you just eventually you just got to put it down and read it one last time mm. and say, OK, is it expressing what I'm trying to express? Yes. Put it out in the world. Let it fly out of the nest. Just slide.
1: over overthinkers yeah. unite.
2: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. It's It's hard to say that it's done and that you're not going to touch it again but sometimes you just gotta you just gotta let it go
0: have you found yourself going back to some? so do you have you been able to read from this book at a lot of open mics and and been able to deliver this in a spoken in a spoken way
2: yeah i haven't i i'm trying to think of how many but there's definitely been a, at least a handful of events where i've gotten to read some of these pieces and um It's, that's the true test of it is, you know, how the audience connects with it and how people react. And it's just so great when people come up to me and they have an interpretation of it that's even a little bit different than what I meant. And I love that.
0: Have you found yourself actually performing these poems after putting them out and finding that, oh, you know what? I could have added a line to it. I'm Or, or have you been inspired to actually edit them again and maybe not, obviously in your book, if you're reading stuff from your book, you're not going to put out an edit of that. But have you found yourself, if you've read the poem, maybe adding something to it?
2: That's That's more rare, but sometimes what I'll find is that there's a piece of it that is inspiring me to write a whole new piece that might be connected or might be sort of like a sister poem or you know so it's uh and it's interesting as the years go by my feeling of some of these pieces that i wrote years ago and kind of how i feel about them now actually i could i could read you a piece right now if you'd like that is um absolutely amazing so this is one of the earlier pieces it's in the first section so it's the section that I affectionately call the angsty section. And uh, <laughs> it's a piece that I read now. And I think that's not really the place I'm in anymore, but it was at that time. And so I have to honor that that is, you know, that angstiness and that that sort of mood that it was in is, is where I was at at that time. That's, and, yeah,
1: that's part of who you are. That's part of wh- how you got to where you are now. Exactly. I agree. It's,
2: It's not something I would write now, but I I have to honor it. And I think it's part of that journey. So this piece is called Because It Is Beautiful. I sit with the night, with the darkness, even during the day, because it makes for a better story, because it is beautiful. I sit with all the ways to self-harm that the world turns a blind eye to or stares at in wonder because it is compellingly dark, romanticized because it is beautiful. Smoke rings escaping kissable red lips, crystal beads of condensation on the neck of a glass, exchange glances and poignant anonymity. Watch me chain smoke until the nicotine reaches down through my lungs as I breathe it in and let it pull out my heart past all the words stuck in my throat. Isn't it beautiful when I offer you my pain in a way you can quote? Because it is beautiful, I will show you how beauty can be lethal. The despair comes on like a touch so sweet and soft. It sneaks into my brain like cocaine thoughts, cutting lines of hopelessness on a dirty bar, and the reflection seems so far away. Can you smell it on my breath? The shot of despair I chased it with, but all the bartender sees is the red lips, the celluloid story he could have a walk-on roll in, sip after sip. I could be a tortured artist. I could cut off my ear and mail it to my past as a ransom demand for my sanity, mutilation for the sake of vanity because it is beautiful. The keening sound of pain so ugly that it becomes beautiful. Does it take you away? Just for a moment, does it make you feel more alive? Does it show you a glimpse of meaning, a nuance you've been fearing, the depth of a gradation you dare not wade into further, and a brief contemplation to excite your soul because it is beautiful. I am an ache. I am a disturbance. I am all the ways to self-harm that society turns a blind eye to or stares at in wonder, and I wish I were beautiful.
0: Wow, that was awesome. That was great.
1: Very Yeah, you have to go
0: get that book on Amazon. Valerie Brasso through you have to get that poetry book man we're going to share the we're going to share the link in the show notes for this episode and obviously the information for all of Valerie's stuff Valerie you obviously by the time this comes out it'll have been a while ago but you were recently on an episode of the Misfit Therapist
2: Yes I was that was so great She's amazing
0: Yeah, she, yeah she's great Yeah she is super awesome that was that was a great conversation we had with her
2: yeah, she's, uh, she's very, very cool. And she's actually helping me with a few other projects I have in the pipeline. So that's going to be super awesome. Oh, awesome.
0: Perfect. It's been cool because uh, we've had some interactions with people from show from our that have been on our shows that have found other people from like, So it's cool to see all the connections out there and, and things. Wow, yeah. that, that poem was awesome. And you are truly a beautiful soul and the energy that you put out into the world, man, is, is, is coming back. And, and it's so great to see people thrive after such, such hard times and you are truly a beacon of hope in in all that and i hope that and i hope that that continues for you and i hope that that journey never stops and you continue to to put your art out into the world and put yourself into it all just like i know you will but it's incredible and i'm so i'm so grateful that we've had the opportunity to connect Mm -hmm. just over these last couple of years and it's awesome to see the things that you're doing and i i wish you all the continued success in the world with it man it's awesome
2: Thank you. You guys have been so supportive and great. And you know, having you on my Instagram lives and just all of that connection we get to build and keep that conversation going. I think it's so valuable and it's so necessary. And it's so great to make friends that are like-minded and in that sense and and just really have each other's support. And I'm just really happy that I'm back today. And it's, uh, it's really
0: great. Yeah, it's been awesome having you back. Timmy, is there Absolutely. anything uh, we don't? We've never had a repeat guest, and I I find it to be a little bit odd to ask the same three questions at the yeah. end of an episode, considering that you've already answered them. But I think I'm going to be kind of curious to see if any of the answers have changed.
2: All right,
0: uh, it's up to you. Whatever you want to do, man. All right, do you have anything else to to ask? No, I,
1: I no. I'm I'm after that. I'm I'm kind of uh, no. I'm speechless after that little poem there. So. Actually, I just I, I just do want to say, like Will said, um, you know, thanks. And it's it's great to see you thrive, but it's also it's better to see you continue to thrive. You know, it's we've heard the story and we've seen your your progression and to to see you pushing the limits and keep going forward is 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 truly something to be uh, admired for sure. It's great. It's a great you're a great role model for, you know, this community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So has your uh, favorite word or least favorite word changed? I don't remember what they were, to be honest with you. But I
2: feel like I don't remember either. And it might be similar. Favorite word. Oh, my gosh. Why do I feel like I'm so on the spot right now?
0: <laughs> yeah, writer. A writer who doesn't have a favorite word would be I freaky. Know,
2: what is this? <laughs> like last time I may have said vulnerability which I mean still is very apt because I think that if you can't be authentic and and truly express what you know in any situation if you can't be authentic and truly express what you're going through then it's we're not gonna get anywhere you know and even the silliest situations like if you're not gonna be vulnerable enough to say that you don't like this soup because it's too spicy well the waiter's not gonna bring you a new soup (laughs)
0: <laughs> send back the soup man send back the soup
2: i mean politely of course but of course yeah. of course
0: <laughs> what about what about a least favorite word least
2: favorite yeah, what's
0: word. your least favorite word currently
2: currently um i'm getting a little bit of little bit sick of people who use the term political correctness to mean that we are being overly sensitive to people's feelings. I think that being inclusive, being respectful, being, you know, anti-oppressive, all of those things is so important and when you boil it down to oh, you're just being politically correct, then you're diminishing and belittling a social movement that is really aiming to offer people more dignity. So that that is that grinds my gears currently.
0: I love it, <laughs> just like just like all those fucking people used. You know, they oh woke culture. Yeah, fuck you, yeah. man. You know what? The part part of the yeah. problem is is that if we were more sensitive to people, we wouldn't have the fucking issues that we have in this goddamn world.
2: Exactly.
0: I've been changing up this middle question quite a bit, so I'm curious. This is a new one
2: to me. Spirituality is whatever connects you to this world in a way that's bigger than yourself. I am not a religious person. I usually refer to the universe where other people might refer to their God. I think that spirituality is just believing that there are some things we can't understand. There are some things that science can't explain that we, you know, energy and putting things out and what we get back and the people we attract and all of that. So I, that to me, that's what that is, this sort of nebulous, more ethereal way of looking at the world where of course, you know, I, my first degree is in archeology. span I'm a scientist. I believe in that. And at the same time, just knowing that maybe the universe has a plan for me and um, just things are unfolding as they should.
0: I love that. Cause my word for my word for the G word is unity. Cause I am okay. not, I, I, I don't like the the bit the G word cuz I it's got too many connotations to me. So I started to refer to everything as unity just because it's the universe and to me that's what it's all about, that cohesiveness. Yeah. That's that's awesome.
1: So you, you the your favorite word from last time you were correct. Vulnerability.
2: Okay, perfect. Yeah, so nice. I'm on, I'm on the same train track.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. So if there was anything that You would, you could do, or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole, without any kind of restraint. What would that look like?
2: Well, without any kind of restraint, there's oh, there's so many options. If I were to pick something that's a little more quantifiable and and easier to explain, I think that having a more structured and forthcoming mental health um, support program and teaching program in schools. For, for youth would be really important so being able to um, have that support there I know many schools have their counselors social workers etc but being able to have um, classes and discussions and things that are just more structured offering more information their their youth dealing with symptoms and different things where they don't even know that there's a name for the disorder that they're experiencing so yeah I think that that would be one thing it's starting young starting a lot younger would be
1: something i would focus on excellent agree, agree very fully
0: goes to show language having the language to speak it having the words to That's say word. it and and is very important because that is very intimidating when you can't put your words when you can't put your thoughts into words and it, it creates this whole anxiety within mm-hmm.
1: i said to will not that long ago um <clears throat> i had just recently finished um the book uh what happened to you it's um Geez, I forget the guy's name now. Doctor Bruce, Doctor is-
0: per- Bruce Perry.
1: Doctor Bruce Perry and Oprah put this book out, and I said, I after I got done, I I said to Will that this book should be like part of if you're getting hired as a soldier, in, in any kind of, any kind of setting, but in a school setting, like this book should be handed out, and this needs to be read, and we're going to discuss it because yeah. I think a lot of it is is what you said. It's like we don't have we don't know, right? We don't know that these things, this kid's acting out. And when I put my arm or my hand on his his shoulder and and the kid flips out, he's not a bad kid. You know, she's not a bad kid. There, there's something happened to them.
0: Let's figure out why and, and try and work with that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Trauma informed, very important.
0: Yeah. Trauma informed person centered is, is super, super important. Mm. And we need to keep in mind that Yes, we all are in the same ocean, but we don't all ride the same wave. So it's it's very it's it's very important to but it's awful hard for people who who aren't aware. And I, I found that awareness is the biggest is the first key to anything. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here as always, uh, thank you so much for everything you're putting out and and for being a friend and for being a friend of the show and I, I wish you and your fiance the best and thank you so much for being here.
2: It was really um, exciting to be back, I'm really thankful.
0: Absolutely, I I hope we can connect outside of this sooner for than sure. later just because it's been too long and obviously things are very busy. Um, can you lead us out with one of your poems? Timmy, it's been another great conversation. Um, yeah, Absolutely. I just think it's better just to let her. <laughs> I think it's better just to let her lead us out with a poem and
2: All right. take it away Val. Sounds good. This is the title poem. It is called through and I hope it gives you a little bit of boost on your day for the rest of uh, the rest of your day. Through. They say it comes in waves. A cliche, but that's because waves are eternal and drowning is a horrible way to go. When surfers paddle out beyond the break, they dive through the crashing waves, finding the still beneath where the whitecaps can't reach. They find the calm of the other side. They trust the water because the way out is through. I set my soul on a current my feet have yet to tread, unsure if I want to sink or swim. Do I let the waves win the only one that matters? I carry on regardless. As the waves get bigger, the sweet gets bitter, and all the ways to self-harm society society turns a blind eye to get closer, but the way out is through. Battles won and lost, a field of corpses in the wake left behind, relationships, habits, self-concepts. They did not die in vain. I did not die not in vain, not as a martyr, a whisper, a ghost, refusing to give the depth what it wants most. The way out is through, shedding the weights that lead me to meet the ocean floor, parting the seas of vices and sharp edges or the seas of all that I could, that I could be if I made it through. The way out is through and the ocean is eternal and I will always be diving through crashing waves one after the other, arriving on the other side as someone who has made it through. The waves are tall and water can be deadly in the deep of the blue. The path is arduous, but the way out is through. Wow.
0: Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. And I had no idea about the wave thing when I said that before we started, which was pretty amazing. I was like, well, wait a second.
1: <laughs> <That was> <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. Uh, Everyone, if you want to find Valerie, you can find Valerie at ValerieBrasso.com. You can find her book on Amazon. Um, It's it's called Through. It's a book of poetry. She is amazing. Find her on her website if you're seeking coaching or if you're seeking resources in Canada. Um, Val, thank you so much. And we so appreciate it. So much love to you.
2: You guys are the best. I'm so happy to be back and thank you for your friendship as always.
0: You're welcome, and thank you for yours. Timmy, until next week, be well. Be safe. Be, be above. There you go. Above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes
1: every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcast, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee